0: Today we heard from and were joined by La Productora, Loren McNabb, on spicy food and condiments because the demand for spicy stuff has exploded in recent years. So Loren delved into it to find out why. And because we were discussing spicy food, we had a great time asking you about your spicy food adventures. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling. We are Mackling and McGarry, and this is the Friday, February 16th podcast. For the start, Mackling and McGarry, as Mr. Callahan just declared, the long weekend is nigh.
1: Ah, you know, it makes February, which is already the shortest month, although this year we have to put in an extra day in February, it does make it much more palatable, much more survivable, and then you add in what's been mostly such mild weather And February's been a cakewalk so far. However, the last two mornings, reminds you you're in Manitoba. Although it doesn't... I think the temperature is colder this time this morning than it was yesterday morning. Yesterday felt colder somehow.
0: Yeah, when I walked home yesterday afternoon, there were moments where it was fine. And then (laughs) as soon as I got to Broadway... I guess that was the wind corridor because it smacked me in the face. And and, and I, then I, and that's exactly what I felt like. Oh, yeah. Winter. It is still winter. And I was not happy about it. And uh, but it wasn't that bad once I got around the corner.
1: Oh Boy, I was downtown yesterday with the boys and we were going uh, to a place where you can't park on the street at that time of the afternoon because it's rush hour. So we had to park on a side street. We took a wrong turn, and we found ourselves sort of in a wind tunnel in behind one of the great big tall apartment buildings on Smith Street there, and it just came at it. It It's like like I literally ran. (laughs) Typically, (laughs) I just kind of grumble about it and carry on my way. No, I ran because I wanted to get out of there that quickly. So hopefully today's not too bad, and then uh, warms up again starting tomorrow.
0: And speaking of warming up, at 6.35, we are going to hear from loren McNabb, because she has put together a feature on spicy food because just just like our fast food discussion on tuesday which was essentially born out of just you know casual chit chat like you know i went to such and such place yesterday and it cost me like 20 bucks for a burger and fries and i'm not impersonating anybody there by the way that's just a general general character in yeah. your life <laughs> and then but we were also just sort of asking aloud i can't remember even what triggered it but we were like there's like what's with the, the the demand for spicy everything like every place has a ghost pepper sandwich and you know spicy hot sriracha. well
1: do you get the sense that it started with salsa <laughs> right uh that salsa passed ketchup as the number one condiment probably 20 years ago in America oh yeah and so you know that's that's just probably the face of a changing population but also people embracing these different types of food that were not a staple necessarily and then now yeah everywhere you turn somebody wants to burn your tongue off. <laughs> <laughs> and we're trying to figure out different ways to do it. And we are in love with it. I can remember the first time I tried a hot wing. It would have been 1990. We had wing nights at Chi-Chi's. And I think they were 10 cents each. Nice. And they were fantastic. But they were, you know, they were small, maybe even smaller than most of the the chicken wings and drummies you see now. And uh, uh, they were good. But they, I was not used to Spicy not oh. that kind of spicy. And so I would eat a couple. Then I go and wash my face, rinse my mouth. I got to have more. Give me more. And it it it, it, it there's an addiction there. You, even though it's burning your tongue and your lips, the answer isn't necessarily a glass of milk or a spoon of ice cream. You want more.
0: Yeah. Just keep keep giving it to me, baby. Yeah, I uh Never, and we'll talk more about this at six forty-five. We're going to ask you about spicy food adventures, but uh, I never—I used to be super wimpy when it came to spicy food. Over the years, I don't mind a little bit of kick now, and I wonder—is that just because my taste buds have dulled, particularly because I was a smoker from age nineteen into my forties, and maybe I just sort of killed my tongue? But I still can't do piping hot. And, uh, and I, I, when I see people eating their spicy stuff, like, I can't remember where we were, but my buddy was eating buffalo something, I guess buffalo wings. And he, was, he had shaved his head and he was dripping sweat <laughs> and he was panting as he's eating. And I look at him and I said, dude, are you even enjoying this? And he looks up at me. Oh yeah, oh, yeah this is so good. like, all right, each their own. Self-torture. Some people are into that stuff. It's like a badge of honor. So 6.35, more from Loren McNabb, and then she's going to join us live at 8.05. Nice. To give us a little bit more on that and do a bit of a debrief. And then, Greg, at 8.35, we're going to tell you about something I know that's close to your heart as it pertains to. Sleep. That's right. So uh,
1: we talk about how important sleep is uh, for adults, for kids. We had Dr. Kirsten Wirth last week talking about how to get your kids to sleep and help keep them asleep. And we know just how important sleep is to our health. But there are over 4,000 kids based on some statistics. 2% it's estimated of Winnipeg's child population doesn't have a bed. And we're going to speak to the organization that's been working very hard to fix that, to change that. They've been incredibly successful in doing so, almost too successful. So we're going to find out what they need to take things sort of to the next level, if you like. It's a, it's really a good news story about something that, that really shouldn't be an issue, but is and we'll uh, speak with Sleep in Heavenly Peace about what they're doing to fix it and how maybe somebody out there might be able to help them do even more. Does that make sense?
0: Makes perfect sense. So that's at 8.35... It is Mackling and McGarry. In our next segment, we'll tell you how you can win yourself some tickets for Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra's production of Sultans of String, Walking Through Fire. That's at the Burt. There are shows on March 2nd and 3rd. We've got tickets for March 3rd. And it has to do with what we're going to discuss right now. Some like it ought. At least... That used to be the catchphrase. But these days, it seems hot sauces, hot wings, spicy food are no longer just for some. Yeah, the market for fiery condiments is booming.
1: CJOB executive producer and on-air contributor, Loren McNabb, took a look at what some Winnipeggers are offering and why our brains don't mind the pleasure that comes from a little hot sauce pain.
2: In a 60 liter pot.
3: Ghost peppers, habaneros, cyranos.
2: A batch of hot sauce is being monitored until the temperature hits a specific degree. That's key for food safety, for the cook safety. But I'm using this mask uh, to. You're wearing a mask because it gets so yeah. burning in here? Yeah, it's burning my face. Uh, All because of the heat. <laughs> Woo! As in mouth burning. Oh! Trust me when I say you might shout out loud. Oh my gosh, that's great! Heat.
4: <laughs> The hottest one is sunny, and that's the most selling yeah, one. And we thought in a country like Canada, uh, that spicy level, it's amazing. Even I am coming from a very spicy background, but I cannot even eat sunny that much. Arshala
2: Donna's work background is as food scientist. Her husband, Amila Rajakarana, is in IT. Their spice background is both were born in Sri Lanka, where food is already prepared with some kick, but when they came to Canada, Amila felt that combo was kind of missing. I
3: actually want to give a uh, taste and the heat. That's why the company. So in
2: 2016, heat. Tasty Heat was born a company that's grown from an idea in their home kitchen to a kitchen they rent weekly. Space to produce as many as 1,000 bottles a week.
3: All the to in the safe, Corpse.
2: It's in those stores right across the country that you might have first noticed a growing number of options for heat.
0: Tostitos, habanero chips are spicy. Habanero, heat, shredded cheese. Ghost pepper, chicken
5: fried.
2: But it's increasingly moving mainstream. New
5: hot honey, chicken, biscuit, and sandwich. It's a fairly strong global phenomenon, I would say, that's happening more towards the Western Hemisphere simply because of the impact and influence of people uh, through immigration, but then also through travel, uh, and then finally through media.
2: Asadamine is the head of syndicated solutions at Ipsos and says the demand in the category, I want something spicy, is one of the fastest growing dinner needs in Canada. And sure, the changing face of our population has helped influence what we want on our plates, but that's not all.
5: If you're a foodie, you will know that there's definitely a a pride that's taken on being able to handle your spice levels
4: so those people we specifically identify them as sensation seekers the thrill that they will uh, experience during this whole process that will drive them towards spicy foods.
2: So that's Nimila Ratna, and as an instructor and food scientist at the University of Manitoba, it's her job to know
4: what's in our foods. Chili peppers, we do have something called capsaicin. That is the one that produces the heat.
2: In the tropical climates where these peppers originate, they've long been recognized for their ability to help preserve the foods they're added to. But over the years, some studies have also shown that in moderation, certain spices can help with blood pressure, gut health and more. But Jamila says in that moment, after that first heat-socking bite, the benefits are more immediate. Your brain
4: thinks your body is on fire. Your, body will, your brain will start releasing some chemicals to help with that, to cope with the pain. Happy hormones like endorphins, dopamines and that... Will help you to kind of release, ease the pain, and that will also make you feel satisfied. That feeling can make me feel
2: good, even though it starts off feeling bad? Yes, it kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the pleasure some might feel, there's also research being done on people who consistently eat really spicy food and the possible negative impacts say to our memories or <clears throat> other parts of our body.
5: These are our three hottest at the moment. The Carolina
2: At Spice World on Marion Street, some of the world's spiciest peppers come with the warning eat at your own risk.
5: This kind of estimates about like 2.2 million Scoville units.
2: So the Scoville unit is a scale measuring the concentration of capsaicinoids in peppers. At 2.2 million units, that means the extract in a Carolina Reaper <laughs> would need to be diluted 2.2 million times to make the heat in it essentially non-existent. On this scale, for comparison, a jalapeno is 8,000 units. When you try a Carolina Reaper or put it in food, what happens in your mind, body, mouth?
5: You're going to feel warmth straight away throughout the whole body. You're going to feel a little bit lightheaded as well, too. Um, and then afterwards, your stomach is going to hurt.
2: <laughs> but Aaron De Los at Spice Roll says that feeling is no longer the sole draw.
5: Before, it used to be testing out their cojones to see if they (laughs) could handle it. But now we find that people like to pair it with another note. It's not just for pain.
2: Simply put, our palates are changing, which is partially why his shop sells dozens of different blends from mild to much more. All because demand is definitely changing. It's another kind of
5: flavor profile beyond sweet or savory, where you've got the heat packed in as well.
2: Ipsa says they don't know where the market will go, but they know it's far from hitting a plateau. Which is exactly what the folks behind Tasty Heat want to hear. Their sauces have already gone national. This
4: is magma.
2: Magma. They hope one day international. Oh, I like that. (laughs) <laughs> of course
0: Lorraine likes it. She's Loren McNabb has often described when she uh has, she likes a spicy caesar and when she when the bartender is preparing the drink she says she'll say more 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 like I want you to put as much hot stuff in there to the point where you think this will kill me. Right. <laughs> and then uh, there was one point where I think she said just give me the bottle. <laughs> Pour it in more Tabasco or whatever it was. Uh she likes the spicy stuff. I don't. And it makes complete
1: sense. One of our listeners uh, actually sent us a text message earlier in the show when we were discussing the fact we would be talking about this hot food and spicy food. And the whole idea that spicy food can provoke the body to release endorphins and dopamine. That makes complete sense. When I think back to my first experience with with hot wings, it's like, ah, this is way too hot for my mouth, but I love it. That makes sense.
0: After listening to that piece, though, Science. I am compelled to perhaps partake a little bit more in some spicy food. I just uh, need to make sure that maybe like if I go to a place such as an ethnic restaurant where I've never tried, like there's a there's an Ethiopian food truck that often parks on Broadway right in front of the legislative building during the summer. And I'm it smells so good and I'm tempted, but I've never had Ethiopian cuisine So I'd be reluctant to just say, I'll take that. I would need to say, I can't, I don't know how spicy the food is, but I want a little bit, but please don't kill me. (laughs) Please don't burn my face out. That's why we need to bring
1: back Taste of Manitoba. So you can try just a tiny bit at a time of a bunch
0: of stuff. That sounds, that's a great idea. But right now, we want to ask you about spicy food adventures. And I'll just tell you that my first spicy food adventure kind of made me feel like this moment in Modern Family when Cam ah. went to a little Latin American restaurant with Gloria and oh, tried to dude. tough it out.
1: Hey Cameron, come on. It's not that funny. you okay? I'm fine. Are you sure? And I love this
5: place.
2: But your head is running water. No, oh, I don't think
6: I
5: told you it was too spicy for you. Look at your shirt. No, I just need to get a little
7: bit of a drink. No, 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 no. no. Cameron, the water
2: makes
7: it so worse. No. Oh, you're right. That does make it worse. I feel like I ate the
2: sun.
0: So I was at an, an air show when I was a kid. My dad took my sister and I to an air show in North Dakota. And everyone around me was carrying these little trays of chicken wings. So I wanted some. I didn't know they were hot wings. I had never had hot wings. And (laughs) I took one bite. I didn't even complete the bite. I had to spit it out. And I think I went through, I don't know how many bottles of water. And because I I didn't know under, I didn't, why is this not cooling it down? I didn't know that water does not help anything. So that was a miserable experience. And I was still hungry after it because I didn't eat the wings.
1: You needed milk or ice cream? That's the. That's the trick when you've
0: (laughs) met your maker. You met your match on the spice level. Spicy Food Adventures, tell us a story. 204-780-6868. Jeff Braun, you're you're fairly particular about yeah. what you eat. Do you like spicy food? I used to really not, but now as I get older,
8: I like it more and more somehow. Especially chicken. I'm I'm like George on Seinfeld. Jeff likes spicy chicken, um, <laughs> but not <laughs> r- too spicy, if that makes sense. Although some friends and I went out for wings a couple of months ago, and we got like the really spicy wings, and all of us agreed that they weren't actually that spicy we even asked the waitress did you screw up our order you know because these aren't doing it for us she's like "Ah, oh, you guys must just be tougher than everybody else and i was like yeah we probably are
0: really <laughs> <laughs> just tough it's gotta be Just tough. Let's go with that i still think they screwed up the order <laughs> fair cameron portris um
8: it's kind of been a tradition when my, my buddy Eric, he comes back uh, to Winnipeg. He lives here, but he goes away for work for long periods of time. We, we go to the Kingshead, and we have the Vindaloo there, oh um, which is uh, – it's crazy spicy.
0: They say it's the hottest in Winnipeg.
8: I, I, I believe it. I believe it. And uh, usually, you know, we kind of joke around like, oh, uh, uh, the – they're, uh, they really made this, you know, they really cut back on this while we're sitting there all dying. And like, tell the chef, you, you know, put some more in next time. Like, what is he a wimp? Or we, you know, we say that kind of stuff, but we're, we're dying. And I only do it when he does it because I've done it myself or with other people. And it's just not worth it because of what happens at night <laughs> over the course of the, of uh, when you have to wake up six times, and it's pain six times in a row, and I, I just can't go through that anymore. I've done it too many times, and I'm old enough and wise enough to know that it's just not worth it, but it's, it is worth it once in a while when, when we all get together and do it. So, um, And then it's not worth it when I'm in the middle of it. So why did I do that to myself? But it seems like a good idea at the time.
0: <laughs> uh, fair. I appreciate the honesty I do honesty like spicy there. food, though I do, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Um, Forty.
3: A few years ago, my mom grew some jalapenos in her garden. And, you know, I've had jalapenos before, and, you know, I I never really found them that spicy. But uh, I took a bite out of one of them, and I acted like I was good. I acted like, oh, I'm cool, you know, (laughs) nothing bad. And uh, so as she uh, was cooking, I go to the bathroom, and I was like, oh, my God. And I'm splashing water in my mouth. I look at my lips, and they're red. (laughs) And they get more red, and they actually start to blister like, oh no! No, it, it was stupid hot, and so I went out and I was like, "Okay, I'm defeated. My lips are burning. We had to put cream on my lips. Like I don't know how she grew these things, but I was dying. I was dying. They were so hot. <laughs> I, I I regret that. That was. I, I I don't get
8: it. I've had jalapenos before, but these homegrown ones were just killer. Jalapenos can be dangerous. They're, they're on either side of the spectrum. I've had them where they're not spicy, and other times it's like insane. It's like a habanero.
0: Well, is it the, isn't it the, because I remember having the jalapenos at Taco Bell, but is it when they're, after they're cooked or pick or what? Like when you have it in a, in a more raw form. Oh, this was raw. It was the same thing. The first time I tried, uh, someone said, don't do that. And I said, oh, jalapenos are fine. And I took one bite and thought, oh my gosh, what is happening here? Am I going to breathe fire? I feel like a dragon. Fire, breathing, dragon.
1: (laughs) We used to have, well, I don't think they have it at Earl's anymore. It was the Hunan Kung Pao. Oh, I remember that. And you would pick your, how many peppers you wanted. How many Hunan peppers? One to 10, I think was kind of on the menu. But we would have people ask for 20, 30, and then they would up it and go and dice them. And depending on the pepper, I was just doing some reading this morning, and apparently it all depends on the pepper, but... Sometimes when you cut them up, it makes them even spicier because you're exposing the inside. And and so there's more surface area, the pepper, et cetera, that's uh, getting in as part of your of your food. But I grew up, my stepdad's from from the Caribbean, and he used to make uh, roti and, and goat tails, uh, uh, goat, goat, oh. oxtail soup. Oxtail, yeah. Yeah, and goat and back and neck and just, you know. Good stuff. Oh, yeah, all the best stuff. And he had this chili sauce that came from St. Kitts and he treated it like gold because he only knew people that would go to St. Kitts every few years. And well, you only needed a drop of it. And my buddy Doug found out the hard way. My buddy Doug was like a weightlifter, bodybuilder kind of guy would kind of strut around our house and him and my stepdad had a little bit of a rivalry on that front. And so uh, Charles asked, uh, Hey, Doug, you like spicy food? Yeah, of course. You know, lots of, lots of bombast. uh, (laughs) Bluster and bravado. Yep. Yep. And so Doug tried the tiniest drop of this stuff and he just about lost his mind. We went and we umpired a baseball game at Minto field, which is a block away. We came back and his mouth was still on fire. Really? Three hours later. Oh my God. And he apologized to me. He said, I've never tasted anything like that. I will never question you again. The the relationship turned (laughs) on that that hot sauce. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, there is some crazy stuff out there.
0: Smackling and McGarry. Loren McNabb joins us at 8.05 for a debrief of her spicy food feature that we ran at 6.35 as the demand for spicy food, spicy condiments is exploding in recent years. So we're asking you about your spicy food adventures. Greg, what does Scott say? I love spicy hot food, and it's not hot unless it makes you cry. (laughs) Okay,
1: Scott. Whatever works for you. Sounds fun. (laughs) Well, apparently it is. Apparently, your brain uh, somewhat enjoys it if it doesn't like it a lot. Uh, were you reading Warren's text a few moments ago? I heard you mutter something about <laughs> about death dust.
0: Well, and Loren referenced this. There's this store called Spice World on Marion Street, and she said that many of their products come with the warning. Eat at own risk. So Warren says, if you want to talk about spice, I have something you should... Or perhaps should not try. (laughs) I've become a bit addicted to this stuff from Spice World on Marion Street. And I've become quite tolerant to it. A few grains and you feel the warmth. So, indeed, it's called Big Smoke Death Dust. And the ingredients, lemon powder, paprika, chili powder, cayenne. So, so far, so good. Yes. Garlic, onion. All in. Mustard. Keep going. Black pepper, sugar. Kosher salt. Yes. But then uh, we get some ghost pepper, Carolina Reaper, and something I've never even heard of. As this is a ing- new one. Trinidad
1: Scorpion. We have a new pepper entering the conversation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> even the ingredients are horrifying. The, the name alone, Death Dust, but then Trinidad Scorpion. So, yeah, that's something that I wouldn't even want to try I just... Out of curiosity, like I, I like to try new food. Uh, there's there's very, there's very few things I would stay away from. Maybe okay. if it was like if, you know, we, we did a thing in the health series about eating bugs. And I know that's like, what was it? 80% of the world's countries yep. eat bugs. I, I'm not sure I would want to do that per se, especially if they're still alive. But uh, this death does keep it away from me, man.
1: I think I might try that
0: yeah morbid curiosity
1: might get the best of me on that one because like there's what 14 15 16 ingredients there I'm down with 13 of them (laughs) I'm like how much of an impact could those last three have (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's your funeral. <laughs> it's your funeral. <laughs> we'll have to ask Loren if she bought the uh, the death dust. And uh, maybe that, I don't know, maybe that's something that could uh, make a, the Caesar even spicier. She likes that, the spicy you know Caesar.
1: What? That Hey, you really want to go? You really want to go, McNabb? Put that on the rim of your glass <laughs> for your Caesar. <laughs> then let's talk. Mm. That's a challenge.
0: She's going to join us at 8.05. It is Mackling and McGarry. Cold outside, but it's spicy on the start this morning. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 about your spicy food adventures. Like Jared, who says, a couple of years ago, I grew a big selection of peppers, habaneros, ghost pepper, serrano, and Carolina reapers. My wife and I sliced them into rings and pickled them for our burgers. Well, one barbecue, our friend's daughter, two years old, reached into the jar and grabbed a couple and ate them. Needless to say, she was screaming. We were trying to cool her off with ice cream, but she was not having it, LOL. Oh, Chris
1: says, I went to two East Indian restaurants yesterday. One place, the mild samosas were way too hot. So I go to another place to get mildly spicy samosas. Well, let's just say my definition of hot and theirs. Two different things.
0: So the reason we're talking about spicy food is at 635, we ran an excellent feature from the executive producer, La Productora of 680 CJOB, (laughs) Lorraine McNabb.
2: There it is. That's the nickname. You guys were talking yesterday about you can't give yourself a nickname. You got to wait for it to come to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll accept that. Um, It's Forche that inspired this chat this morning. I don't remember what the name of the chips were, Forche, but like six weeks ago... You were cramming your craw with some chips that were like making you scream in pain. What were they? I don't even
3: remember. They was, were spicy. It was the same brand that does the one, uh, the one chip challenge, the hot chip challenge. Right. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, it's but they really were really spicy. spicy. Yeah. And I also had uh, spicy chili that burnt my mouth off, and <laughs> I probably shouldn't have brought that to work.
2: <laughs> so I, it had me thinking, guys, like this idea of he, you're in pain, you're eating it, and then you keep going back for more you know, like it's hurting your mouth and you reach, you take another bite and you can't stop yourself. And so I wanted to know like, why do so many foods now have some sort of spice added to them? So we heard at 637, just the demand is up, right? Like our population is changing. And we featured the spice world in that story. Um, And they're a great example of just the demographics that are changing in this world. There are a couple that runs a spice store on Marion He's Filipino. She's of Metis Ukrainian descent, and they've they're coming up with all these blends together. It's like a family generation after generation business. So our population's changing, but some of us just like it, which includes me, Greg. I think you're sort of in my camp, right?
1: Uh yes, just not like to the extreme that you are. Like I'm not putting this death dust, and this is the challenge for you, is to put that death dust as the rim on your Caesar. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you can get that at Spice World. I have it upstairs. And I gave some to um, our boss because her husband also loves spicy stuff. I don't know if I'd put it on my Caesar, like in the rim, but I've put it on my eggs in the last couple of weeks. Really? I I like it in the morning. I like the heat that comes with it because you still get the flavor of the food. It's just a little dusting of the Carolina Reaper, I think, that's in it. Plus a couple other things like, I don't know, is it paprika maybe? Or- the
0: Trinidad scorpion. The
2: scorpion. Yeah, the scorpion is also apparently a super hot pepper. So I love that. Um, and it made sense to me. I went and spoke to a food scientist at the University of Manitoba. Her name is Chamila Namilaratna. And she said, we get that dopamine effect, right? Like you take it in, your mouth thinks it's on fire. And then your brain produces these endorphins that make you happy. But then that had me wondering if that's the case, if there's a bit of a thrill to it all, why do my kids, for example, say, this is too spicy when there's like black corn or whatever, peppercorn pepper on something, let alone uh, a scorpion pepper? Like, why doesn't everyone like spicy food?
4: Uh, do you like bungee jumps? No. <laughs> I do not like it at all, but my husband will love to do that. So I believe it's more or less uh, of how we perceive things. Some of us will love, um, are, are thrill seekers, right? Some of us will love to take risks, take um take risks just because we like the reward more. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like that, some people would love the spicy food to just experience the that feeling after that. But some people would hate that feeling of hotness, burning sensation in your tongue.
2: So there's the science, but maybe a bit of psychological component to it, guys. And then, you know, are some people better at handling it? And for sure, there's this idea that if you're born into it or grew up eating a lot of spice or start eating more, Uh, throughout your life, you might develop a higher appreciation or tolerance because no one reacts the same. And depending on how much you eat, there are benefits as spicy food as well but they're not always the same depending on your makeup and how you are i used to harbor the notion that i could eat spicy food like i would tell myself salsa was good for me because it would help me lose weight um but then when you're dipping a thousand chips into salsa that's probably <laughs> counterintuitive <laughs> i was
1: wondering where that was going
2: <laughs> but there are some studies that have also shown it boosts your metabolism right after you eat it but Camilla warns like so many things there's a balance
4: Earlier research found out that people who um, incorporate spices more into their foods can actually live longer, um, they do have better uh, cardiovascular protection that means the cardiovascular risk of cardiovascular diseases will go down but then more recent research suggests that you should not go to extremes if you eat a lot of spicy foods that can actually make problems in your gut your stomach and your intestinal um, ways. And you can have really painful bowel moments because the capsizing is never really digested entirely. Like
2: it's actual fire it's that, actually, there. actually,
4: yes. You will get the same message. Your brain will get the same <laughs> message that the there is on fire. I did so, right. <laughs> that before. It's an
2: actual fire. I don't know if you guys got the connection, but the fire in your mouth and the fire, you know... <clears throat>
1: south of your belly. It,
2: it all adds up, right? It all makes sense. I just I actually just assumed there was something going on like in my gut, but it's really because the peppers just don't break down as mm-hmm. much, right? And so you're literally doing the same thing uh upstairs as downstairs. But I I what I like about this is that I have now got many more things in my cupboard, guys, based on the different companies I spoke to. Tasty Heat it was a fabulous hot sauce. They're um, a local company. The Spice World had so many blends there. And two of the people in the story, um, Chamila, who you just heard it from, and the folks behind Tasty Heat are of Sri Lankan background, which is hands down where I have had the best, spiciest curry dish in northern Sri Lanka of my life. I still haven't found anything to match it. Really? Yep. Such good food. Oh. But again, when you have it locally, like you, they you know, they're keeping it more mild for the rest of us because when they say, can you handle it? Mm. They're assuming most of us can't.
1: I just got an email from A&W Canada. Three ninety nine. Spicy Piri Piri Buddy is here. Just na- like on? just now.
2: Yes, <laughs> And you say our so phone mainstream. isn't
1: listening to us
0: and we don't <laughs> love hot sauce.
2: We like hot
0: stuff. Thanks, Loren. Hey, see you later, guys. Lauren McNabb, the executive producer and special on-air contributor for 680 CJOB, a.k.a. La Productora, kicking off our discussion on spicy food today. And if you missed her feature at 635, go have a listen in the audio vault at cjob.com or subscribe to the podcast. It will be in there this afternoon. It is Mackling and McGarry, our weekly Gab with Gabby. Gabrielle Marchand joins us at 9.05 from Global News Morning as we head into the long weekend. Not long weekend for all, but long weekend for many. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to the long weekend. But Right now we want to talk about how 4,000 Winnipeg children, an estimated 2% of the child population in our city, don't have a bed of their own. A local organization well-known for giving kids a proper place to sleep needs a space of its own so it can do even more good things for our community. It's called Sleep in Heavenly Peace.
1: And they're not only celebrating their four-year anniversary, but they will be delivering their 1,000th bed to a child in need. Now, that's the good news. The better news, they've figured out how to ensure kids who this morning woke up on a floor on couch cushions, on foam mats or on air mattresses or maybe even just a pile of blankets can have a proper place to sleep. I'm uh, thrilled to introduce you to Jim Theisen. He's chapter president, Sleep in Heavenly Peace, joining us in the studio this morning, Jim. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. This is a genuine success story, you know, in the nonprofit world. You've captured the imagination of a lot of folks, I know. Um what you've done is fantastic. Just tell us what you do and how you do what you do. Well,
7: first of all, thank you for that. And thank you for the opportunity to be here today to talk about Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Uh, it, very simply, the organization is a, is a Canadian nonprofit charity that brings community volunteers together to build twin-sized uh, or handmade twin-sized beds for children that do not have a bed to sleep on in Winnipeg. Uh, Our organization will also go out with these beds and later install them in the homes of these children, complete with a new mattress and new bedding. So the child, when we're finished, the child can literally crawl into bed and go to sleep. How did you get
0: involved with this organization, Jim?
7: Well, it start, for me, it started back in uh, 2019. I was looking at uh, retirement, or upcoming retirement, and I was looking for something to do. And I, I knew what I didn't want to do. I just wasn't sure what it was that would uh, be out there that would make me feel like I was giving back to the community. And so uh, I heard about the organization Sleep in Heavenly Peace that was operating in the U.S. Uh, they had been operating since 2012 and had, had built quite a success story down in the U.S. Uh, I looked at uh, at. The program and what they were doing again just it was it was such a simple concept to me providing beds to children who didn't have a bed to sleep on I knew that was a problem here in Winnipeg and that was because uh, I was a police officer with Winnipeg police for 28 years I think any first responder can well will understand what I'm saying when you 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 say you go into the homes of some people and you can't help but notice how the children in those homes are sleeping conditions that are less than desirable so Knowing that that was a problem here, I thought this uh, organization was a real good fit for Winnipeg. So you reached out and um,
1: was your involvement maybe a little bit more than you had imagined when you first made that
7: inquiry about, hey, uh, what about Winnipeg? Well, you know, it did grow very quickly. Uh, It was, uh, I wasn't sure really what I was getting into at the beginning. I have great support from a core group of about 25 people. Uh, all friends of mine, pretty much. Uh, so they were behind me from day one. And so uh, with that in mind, with this group's support, uh, we looked at starting the chapter here in Winnipeg. Unfortunately, the, the uh, charity itself wasn't here in Canada yet. So, uh, but, a, but an individual out in Edmonton was uh, looking to start a chapter at the same time. So we uh, sort of to worked together. The, uh, the Canadian charity came to Canada in July of uh, 2019, and uh, we opened operations in 2020. You
0: know, when I think about this, the number 4,000, trying to imagine that there are 4,000 kids in this city who don't have beds, that's tough to, to think about. But then I think about, it's not cheap to get a bed. Like, yeah, I, went, I just needed to buy some sheets in rec- the last couple of months even a, a decent set of sheets is like a hundred bucks on sale. And so then that's just the sheet. Exactly. So when you, how do like, how can people help your organization? Because of, like, what was it, or how's this, what does it cost well, for one bed?
7: For our, our price for a bed is $350. And that includes material for the, for the bed, a new mattress and the bedding. That's our budgeted price. Uh, what we try to do as a nonprofit, obviously, is to raise funds through the generosity of the, of the citizens that want to pay here uh, to run our operation, fund our operations. We do have a lot of support from the community. We, uh, we receive uh, uh, mattresses, for example. Some of our mattresses are donated by Defraying Furniture, for example. Our lumber is, you know, comes from uh, RONA uh, and, and other organizations. So, and we've had great support from the community. But we are looking for some help. We, we uh, right now, at this time of year, as I said, in the last four years, we've been pretty successful. We've managed to build just over 1,000 beds, and we've installed 945 of those. So we're very close to that 1,000 mark. We're happy with that. But we know that there's a lot of work to do. We've got, right now, we've got uh, uh, 400 children, over 400 children on our waiting list. And we just can't address that list because we can't build beds in the, uh, in the winter.
1: So what do you need?
7: You know, this is
1: part of what we do here at 680 CJOB. We're obviously celebrating the success. I think this is a huge success story, but if you're going
7: to do more good, you can't wait till spring. So what do you you need? Well, that's exactly it. Our biggest need right now, our biggest ask is space. Uh, We need a, a, a space to build beds year round. And what I mean by that is that normally our operations for the last four years We've uh, had to concentrate our building operations in other words, when we build the beds, when we bring community volunteers together at events we call build days to actually build the beds we're we're uh, over the last four years we've been uh, sort of uh, you know forced to do this only in the in the spring summer and fall months because we build outdoors we've never had a facility we're a very lean uh, nonprofit operation we want to keep it that way. That said, we can't build enough beds to to meet our our, uh, you know, our, our number of applications. It's only, it's only February. We're already at 400 children on our right. list. We need space. We need to be able to start building beds on a, on a weekly basis. And we could do that if we had space.
1: How much space do you need? And um, what are the parameters? Do you, do you need something glamorous or, or what what are you looking for? Not,
7: not at all. Okay. In fact, it could be very, very basic. We need about 3000 square feet minimum. Uh, it basically could be a, a warehouse space. doesn't have to be anything fancy at all. It just has to have a little bit of heat, a washroom. Um, parking would be great. And, uh, you know, again, just an area where we could set up and uh, an open space set up and invite the public to come down and, uh, and help us build beds.
0: And I guess this is probably going to be a dumb question, but, but have you ever built one, like, say, in, like in someone's home? They've gone into their home and built a bed right there?
7: Actually, what we do is at our build events, we build the components for these beds, for the twin size beds. So it's a very simple process, works like a, an assembly line. Anybody with any skill level can come out and help us uh, build a bed. We've had children as young as, you know, seven or eight years old and, and as old as 85 come out and, and uh, help us build these beds. You don't need any experience whatsoever. So we build the components for the bed, the side rails and the headboard and footboard, for example. With those, with those components, we'll then go to the homes of the recipients, go in with the components, set up the bed with the new mattress, new bedding. And uh, that literally takes us, once we're inside the home, about 15 minutes and the bed is set up and, and uh, ready to go. So. Wow, that's great. Okay, Winnipeg, do your thing. If you yourself
1: maybe have some some space that uh, you're willing to let Jim and his organization use for, for a little bit, reach out, how do they get in touch with you? Or maybe you know somebody... And you can give them a nudge on Sleep in Heavenly Pieces uh, behalf. Fair
7: to say, Jim? How do they get in touch with you? Well, the easiest way to get a hold of me is by phone. You can reach me at 204-509-2007. But you can also reach me through our Facebook page, our social media pages, our website, shpbeds.ca. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll entertain any calls. <laughs> That's fantastic,
1: Jim. What you're doing is, is, is simply fantastic. So oh, thank you we so We appreciate
0: this. Thank you. All right, Jim Thiessen, chapter president of Sleep in Heavenly, Heavenly Peace, joining us live. Jim, thanks for coming in.
7: Thanks so much, gentlemen.
0: It is Mackling and McGarry coming up at 935. We are going to learn more about the Winnipeg Wedding Show happening next weekend. Barry Kaye from Cherry Tree Productions will join us. He's the host Of the event, yes. So so here's the
1: question. Here's the question. Is it permissible to call the wedding a party? Why not? Can you call it a party? Well, you know how Monica Geller felt about that.
8: (laughs) I don't. I can't
1: remember. Let's see here. I'll play it for you before we before we say goodbye to our next guest. Who is our next guest, Greg? She is the sugar in your coffee, the spring in your step, the delight of the day, <laughs> Global News Morning anchor, our good friend, Gabrielle Marchand, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. till 9 a.m., Channel 9, Cable 12, 12, 12. Candy 12. 12. Uh, Television
6: in Winnipeg. That's so kind. I put maple syrup in my coffee lately because I'm real Canadian, oh. eh? Just supporting our Canadian maple That's syrup what you're doing industry. Dead in of sugar. Yeah, it's delicious. It's a little oh, maple coffee. Mm.
0: That's interesting.
6: My Quebec ancestors are so proud. <laughs> you go, girl. Pour another, pour another spoonful of maple syrup into your mouth. I mean, into your coffee. I mean, I do sometimes, occasionally take like a little, like, <laughs> like a little a ch- lick. like
0: a shot, not a like, shot, like, like elf.
6: I am not elf, but. <laughs> I did have a giant bottle of maple syrup on my desk for a long time, and I remember some random guest walked into our studio and looked at my desk and said, What are you, elf? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No.
0: <laughs> so, so I think Greg's just left the room. I think he's on his way to find this clip from Friends, which doesn't matter if we play it, but whatever. Uh, so, Gabby, we call you Gabby, but uh, do you actually, just on that subject, when people call it, because I like to call you Gabrielle sometimes. Oh, that's it's, kind that's of a lovely you. name. Thank do you? you. Like being called Gabrielle?
6: I don't mind it. I mean, so few people do. Everybody calls me Gabby, and I've been chatty since I like came out of the womb, essentially. So I think it was just fitting that people call me Gab, Gabby. I'm okay with most renditions of my name. Um, I lived in Brazil for a while, and Gabrielle is a boy's name there. Gabriella is a girl's name. Okay. So a lot of people would refer to me as Gabrielle, which felt very glamorous. Like, I wish that was actually my name. Um, but the only nickname that I really dislike is Gabe. I had a chemistry teacher in high school and I think it's cause I was also a useless student and he was like punishing me by insisting on calling me. He said, Gabe, yeah, Gabe, you can go to the bathroom. Yeah. Gabe, you can leave and just never come back. <laughs> you know,
0: did you ever tell this teacher to stop?
6: Oh, repeatedly, but I was a really <laughs> poor student. So it was sort of this thing back and forth between us that was funny, but also I don't like it. Gabe is not my name. I'm not Gabriel. Yeah.
0: You know? Gabe.
6: No. Gabe.
0: That's stupid.
6: Who's Gabe? What about you? Do you have any nicknames you don't like?
0: Uh, there was one that uh, was bestowed upon me by Charles Adler when I was his technical producer. And I, I don't know where it came from, but he started calling, because my last name is McGarry, so he started calling me Magoo. Magoo. Mr. Magoo. And, uh, but I, <laughs> I I asked him if he could stop just because I'm like, what are you implying that I'm that I'm blind, yeah, because that was Mr. Magoo's. That you're thing. a goof, yeah, that he come was on. this blind old guy. Um, and it, I was wondering, like, did I screw something up in the control room? <laughs> so, oh, no. uh, plus, I already had a CJOB nickname, which was given to me by Kelly Moore at the time, and it was uh, Brett the Hitman, like Brett the oh, Hitman, hitman art.
6: That's yeah. cool. Wrestling. Love yeah. that.
0: So that one's cool. Did you find the clip, Greg?
6: Welcome back, Greg. Nice to see you. My
1: burly machine's acting up at my desk, so I've had to go uh, old school here. Um,
6: Honey, um, I-, I love you, <laughs> but um, if you call our wedding a party one more time, you may not get invited. <laughs> 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 wow. Classic there you go. Monica. So that
1: is a, you know, a, A differing of opinions there, I would suggest.
6: I think the best weddings are the ones that are parties personally, but that's also because I love to party. So, I mean, to each their own. I guess if you're taking it very seriously and putting tons of planning, blood, sweat, tears into it and maybe a bit intense about it you wouldn't want it to be called a party yeah
1: well and if you're spending you know 80 90 thousand oh, dollars oh, wow. say on a wedding you might not want to
0: call it a party this but not, is that's an just event. Me. it's an event this that's is right. a
6: christening <laughs> well we'll
0: ask barry that at nine thirty-five. and on the subject of weddings and romance because it was valentine's day this week we asked about romantic mishaps
6: Yeah, I went out. I mean, there's some mishaps I probably can't share on here. But I went out on a date a couple of years ago. Uh, Lovely individual. I mean, didn't go anywhere, but lovely person. And we went to this restaurant and I didn't realize. I'd said I really liked Hershey's Kisses. Not hugs. Kisses are different. They have the white chocolate swirl in there and they are next level. And I said I love them, I think, on my Instagram and he'd seen this. So we show up to this hot pot restaurant and there were all these, I think they brought kisses at the end or there were kisses before, but there was a lot of weirdly Hershey's kisses on the table, but I am Gabby. So I didn't make the connection in my mind that he'd come to the restaurant beforehand and dropped off this treat to be really sweet. And so I was sort of like, oh my gosh, what are the odds? I love kisses. They're on, And then he was too humble to say anything. And then at After he handed me the bag, and I felt like a fool. Clicked in after? fool, but still, I love romance. I think it's nice when people do romantic gestures. I'm not very good at them. I write poetry haikus. I'll write you guys guys haikus. (laughs) A Valentine haiku. Yeah. Okay, just give me a minute. Can you two talk? I need at least like 45 seconds in my brain to come up with one.
0: Well, right
1: now, (laughs) Gabby's trying to be... What we talked about, one of the things we discussed this week, and that's being Captain Clutch. Yeah. Coming up big in a moment, spotlights on you, everybody's expecting something big, and you pull through. Yeah. The question is can you pull through with, with a, a haiku? haiku. Ooh,
6: the round game. <laughs> okay. How about this? Because it's five, seven, and five. Love is for lovers. That's five. <laughs> Many chips on the couch, please. That's seven. <laughs> Romance is, oh, I wanted potatoes, but that's going to be six. Dang. I don't know, guys. I can't bother with this. Chip dip. dip.
1: Romance is chip dip.
6: Romance is chip dip. (laughs) Bang. Let's write a book. Done. I'm here for it.
0: Gabrielle Marchand is the host of Global News Morning weekdays six a.m. to nine a.m. on Global Winnipeg, celebrating fifty years of global television this week during Premier Week. Gabby, always a pleasure.
6: Delightful you guys. Happy Friday.
0: We're asking you about your spicy food adventures based on the feature that we ran at 6.35 from Loren McNabb on the explosion of mainstream popularity of spicy food, of spicy condiments. We've got tickets to give away for WSOs, Sultans of String Walking Through Fire for the show happening at the Burt on Saturday, March 3rd. And uh, one of our runners up here, Greg, is Mark.
1: 100 years ago when I played in a band, we traveled all over Western Canada, always used to look for the hottest Chicken wings. We stopped at a place in Edmonton and ordered them, quote, as hot as possible. The waiter tried to talk us out of it, but we went for it. He brought out these black chicken wings and put them on the table. I had one bite, and it was like a bee had stung me in the mouth. I couldn't feel or taste anything after that first bite. I looked over at the kitchen and there was a face sticking out the order window laughing at us. Turned out that the cook was an Egyptian fellow who had some sort of caustic brown pepper paste that he used on his own food. He decided to teach us a lesson. It was the first and only time
0: I had gone wing blind. Wing blind. I like that. That's a good one. Another runner up here is Brett in Selkirk. Went to the UK. Met my new brother-in-law for the first time. He took us to a curry house, and I had never had curry prior to this. I told him the order for me is I didn't know what any of it was. A bowl of onion pepper curry arrived. Now, I'm not one to quit halfway through a mission, so I got it down with several glasses of water. But by the time that bowl was empty, it felt like the skin was melting off my face, just like when the chest is opened in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And the skin drips off the German guy's face. (laughs) What an incredibly painted picture that is, Brett. (laughs) I have since grown to love curry, however, says Brett. I'm very careful, though, about my hilarious brother-in-law's practical jokes. Mm -hmm. So that's runner-up Brett in Selkirk. And we didn't... It just so happened that the runner-up's name is Brett, and the winner's name is Greg. (laughs) Oh, I just... Got on to that. (laughs) What does Greg K have to say?
1: My spicy food story involves my then girlfriend and now wife. It was early in our relationship and we went out for dinner. I was bragging how much I love spicy food. To prove it, I ordered the hottest thing on the menu. Well, a few bites in, and I was sweating profusely. She asked me if I was okay, and of course, I assured her that I was. After dinner, we went back to my place to watch a movie. About 10 minutes into the movie, my uh, tummy started to feel a little off. I excused myself to uh, go to the uh, bathroom. Well, did not go well. There's a scene in in Dumb and Dumber with the Turbo Lacks. That's what Greg's referring to. Says that, yeah, imagine that pretty much. I missed most of the movie, and she ended up going home shortly thereafter. We uh, laugh about it now,
0: but at the time, I was mortified. And I asked Greg because he mentioned that this was early in their relationship. Right. So I'm just picturing how I, he said he was mortified. I would have been mortified too, and I would have been scared. Like, is this something that's going to sully? This fledgling relationship. And what did Greg say to that? No, nope,
1: she was awesome about it. It was a small place. So there was no doubt about what was happening.
0: You know, it, it it's one of those things that I, I think many many of us, if not all of us, can relate to. It's We all do it. And yet, especially in that early stage of dating, it's one of the most nerve-wracking things to have to deal with. Some people have an only in your own bathroom rule about
1: certain things if you know where I'm coming from.
0: So, Greg, thank you and thanks to all for your wonderful spice adventure stories today. And we we learned a lot. We learned some great restaurant suggestions. I got to make sure Loren gets that Tropicus Caribbean on Ellis recommendation if she's never been there for their chicken roti uh, because it sounds like they've got a good spicy chicken roti and she loves the, loves, loves the spice. <music> We're going to start this segment and take it back to 2019. The last full year of the before times. And there were over 5,000 marriages in Manitoba. That's a lot of cake. Actual cake. And cake is in cash money. According to stocktrades.ca, the average Canadian wedding costs $30,000. That's a lot of money for one party.
6: Honey, um, I, I love you. <laughs> but, um... If you call our wedding a party one more time, you may not get invited. <laughs>
0: Monica and friends, so we're going to ask the party master, the master of ceremonies for the annual <laughs> oh Wonderful Wedding Show, which happens next weekend, Barry Kay is here.
5: Hello. Thank you so much for having me on with you today.
0: So, Barry Kaye from Cherry Tree Productions, the question is, the first question is, uh, a wedding, is it a party or not a party?
5: So up until I just heard that clip from Monica, I would say that a wedding overall is a party. But I can also see how some might consider it to be the extravaganza of a lifetime. Mm. And and it is because it, it's a special day. But yeah, I think it would be considered a party. I consider it to be an overall party.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the best weddings I've been to were the ones that ended up being the most Raucous, Uh, Not the actual ceremony. Although you, I went to, now that I think of it, even one ceremony I went to, there was, uh, (laughs) when they closed the ceremony, a bunch of guys jumped up with lightsabers and they they sort of created this. Star Wars theme. Yeah, they they created this kind of thing for the, the bride and groom to walk under. And they played the, the, the Star Wars music from the throne room at the end of A New Hope. Oh, that's hilarious. So it, it can be whatever it, it, it you, you want. And I'm guessing that at the Wonderful Wedding Show, if you're seeking ideas, that's probably the first place you want to go.
5: It's a great place for that. And uh, speaking of ceremonies, ceremonies have become a little more elaborate and fun. Um, you know, there's still some tradition involved, of course, But um, I've seen a lot of ceremonies that, you know, that's where the party starts and they start pushing the envelope there. And it it just kind of builds on the rest of the day. So you
0: have been hosting the the wonderful wedding show now for how long? This
5: will be my 28th year as the host of the show. And uh, I'm super excited because, you know, what a huge compliment to be invited back every year, first of all. And uh, we just, I just have a great time. I love doing it. And uh, it's so nice to see all the fresh new couples out there searching
0: for what they need for their wedding. February 24th and 25th at RBC Convention Centre, Winnipeg. So as, you know, it's a, I find it interesting that there's an actual uh, host for this event. So what is your role on those two days? So as much as I'd like to think it's like the
5: Academy Awards, Um, I'm really the guy that goes on stage, uh, to welcome everyone to the show. Um, I get to play around with the crowd for a couple of moments and then we introduce the fashion show and thank all the sponsors, of course. Um, still an important job and I think it has to be done because there are a lot of people that spend, uh, as you said earlier, a lot of cake. To be in the show and to be a part of the show, and I think it's just important to acknowledge that and let couples know all the amazing things that are available to help make their special day
0: that special. Now, you, as part of Cherry Tree Productions, one of the things you do is you're a DJ and sort of the 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 the, the party master, as Greg referred to it. How many weddings have you have you done? So
5: I, I you know, I can't count. Um, I, I can take a guess, but in the last several years, I try and focus, believe it or not, um, on maybe about a half a dozen. I do a lot of corporate events, uh, a lot of bar and butt meds. There's lots of other types of events in the city, but for weddings, because we bring such a unique dynamic to the whole experience. I try to keep it down to a minimum so that way I can focus more on each couple. Um when you're doing weddings every weekend, you know, we don't do we don't have a cookie cutter template that we follow every single event we do is customized and created for that company that couple that individual so it's important that I spend that time creating that for them so their event is you know we had a quote from a a bride we just did a few months ago Um, you know she said it's amazing Barry makes your wedding your wedding and I think that's so important that that's acknowledged and people realize that
0: in the weddings that you've done have you ever like, because I'm guessing that, you know, a thing or two now about what makes a good wedding and maybe what makes not such a good wedding. So when, have you ever been to a wedding where you've watched something unfold or the way that they've done whatever they've done where you're like, you don't know what you're doing. You're, <laughs> you're getting this wrong. Well, I have to say
5: in my entire experience doing weddings, I've I've done thousands of weddings and uh, I'll tell you, I've seen it all. And it's amazing the, the vision and the ideas, but it's all in the details and the execution and where you're going with that is normally it's the details that really make the difference. And if those details aren't in place, yeah, I see, I've seen things kind of fall off the rails, um, you know, even with, uh, speeches, a toast to the groom, the toast to the groom is usually the big one, but in the last several years, um, 2018 and forward up to today, even including during COVID. Um, it's great because I work a lot closer now with the grooms and the brides and I'm able to give them some direction. Mm -hmm. So the likelihood of things slipping off the rails or going off in a different direction, it's slim to none because I'm pretty much in control of the whole thing. And I work with them to, to make sure they do what
0: they need to, to create that vision that they want. Well, and that's actually, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because, uh, as like do you ever work with them uh, just in terms of offering tips cuz not every sometimes people get tapped to do these toasts and they don't either want to but because they're say the maid of honor or they're the best man they have to but like a lot of people are either terrified of public speaking or they're just simply not good at it like i've seen some just <laughs> Horrible speeches, and they're, they're the worst speeches I've ever seen are at weddings because most of the people, you know, they're they're scared. A
5: lot of that is they are scared. They're not uh, professional speakers or presenters, if you will. And uh, when they're not prepared, that's when things go in a different direction. Um, you know, I've done weddings where the best man speaks, and it's the most amazing toast in the world. And I've seen um, best man's go up, and they're not prepared, and they've had a couple of drinks, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, they go up holding their phone, and they go, "Congratulations, I'm happy for you, toast." And it's like, oh, "Okay, what was the point of that?" Um, so, you know, I, I think the 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 ideal thing about having toast to the bride and groom or the couple um, is it's a best friend or a close relative or somebody special to the couple, you know, you want to just uh, touch upon a nice memory or, or just offer your congratulations, but do it in a way where, you know, you're really kind of painting a picture of the relationship. And one of the things that I do, and and I look after this in what we do a grand entrance at the beginning, where I introduce the wedding party and um, we create a little story about them and connect the dots. So we know why, uh, Brett picked uh, Greg to be his best man. And here's why, because they've been best friends for the last 25 years. And, you know, we talk a little bit about that. And it really makes a difference because it gives the guests uh, a real insight into the relationship. And they they feel a lot more comfortable
0: going up and talking to them later. So, when it, and on the subject of advice... And connecting that to the wonderful wedding show, and like I'm just looking at the list of exhibitors here, and I know I'm not expecting you to rattle off all four, like, like four hundred or so. Yeah, but th- like this really does feel like if you want to get married. And you have no idea what you're doing <laughs> or no idea to where go. to start. Like, the, like, like just give us a couple of examples of the kinds of things one can can learn or or perhaps even maybe they can get some ideas or buy stuff to, to take to their wedding. So one of the big
5: things that I suggest to all of the, the couples, the brides and their moms, um, people who come to our booth and that I talk to in the show, I always suggest Walk around, talk to everyone. Don't make any decisions while you're standing there. Um, you know, it's like if you go into a car dealership and you want to buy a car and you see the shiny car and you buy it and then you leave going, what did I just do? Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I say talk to them. There's a lot of all the vendors at the show are top notch. Like I, I've, I know most of them. And it's great, but I would go and talk to them, tell them about, you know, what your thoughts are, your vision, and see who is going to work with you to help create that vision. Um, Because you want to make sure that whoever you work with, whichever vendor, um, whether it's a photographer or a wedding planner or a a DJ or a florist, you want to make sure that there's a good fit And you feel really good that they're going to look after you. And so what you do is you get all that information. You talk to people about some ideas. Let them offer some ideas as well because I think that really could help drive bringing your vision to life. And then just uh, go home and digest that and think about it. You have all the information, um, you know, all all the paperwork and all the cool things you get to take home with you and all the little treats. And just go through it and then you can make some decisions. Pick your top three and then meet with them and then
0: you can make a really good decision about who you want to work with. The website for The Wedding Show is wonderfulweddingshow.com, and they have a full list of exhibitors, exhibitor listings, and and just, just looking at that page is a good reminder of just how much like you, there, you might not think, oh, there's a there's a section for stationery. <laughs> and so you might like, you might not think, oh yeah, wedding invitations, yeah, like there are so many little little details. But there's one detail that you mentioned, that we got to get out here, Barry. But you said brides and moms coming to the show. Are you suggesting that there there are very few grooms who are participating at the wonderful wedding show? Well, I have to tell you, a
5: few years ago, uh, pre COVID, of course, we created uh, the bride. There's always been a brides lounge where brides can go have a glass of wine and, and, you know, they had some decor in there and and stuff like that. And we actually created a, the, they created a groom's lounge where we had arcade games and uh, they had a uh, vendor in there sampling beer. So it was a place for the grooms to go. And now it's been amalgamated into one called the love lounge. And uh, that's a great place for the guys to go. But yeah, I'm seeing a lot more grooms getting involved. And I, I really push them out of their comfort zones because I want the groom to be involved in making that decision and being a part of it.
0: Barry Kay with Cherry Tree Productions. He's the Thank host you. of the Wonderful oh. Wedding Show. And I know, what. just one, one second, Barry. Wonderfulweddingshow.com is that website. Cherrytreeproductions.com is Barry's website. It's happening Saturday, February 24th, Sunday, February 25th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at RBC Convention Center. And one final greeting from Barry Kay. Yes, my mother is listening. I want to wish my mom a happy
5: birthday. Today is her birthday. So mom, love you from the whole family. They knew we were doing this today. Happy birthday. Hope you have an amazing day. Brett, thank you so much. Thanks
6: for coming in, Barry K. Always a pleasure to see you, good sir.